Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Good morning, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 68 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts. And as I mentioned last week, we are nearing the end of this Calm Words podcast. This is one of three remaining episodes, and this is also part two in a three-part series that I'm doing called Looking Back to Help Us Look to the Future. And what I'm really doing in this series is thinking about a few simple but complex ideas that I emerge with having lived through this pandemic and done these podcasts that I want to share with you as we close this thing out. And so today's simple but complex theological idea is this, that our life really is to be found in losing our life and that something precious is lost whenever we try really hard to save what we think is our life or control our life and that the image we are offered in scripture to help us lose our life and find it anew is the cross which when properly understood can transform our suffering into a gift and help us see as a success what we formerly would have labeled a failure. And so to unpack that simple but complex idea, I want to read a passage from Matthew 16, and these are verses 21 through 28. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke Jesus, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind on not divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. So over the years, as a priest and really just a human being, I've come across a lot of people with a lot of different ideas on Jesus or prayer or spirituality or the church. And as a priest, people really love to talk to me about those ideas, both people inside the church and people outside the church. And trust me when I say that people's perspectives are all over the map when it comes to who Jesus is or who Jesus was. I've been told that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, a prophet, a zealot, a lunatic, a liar, their Lord, a mystic, a guru, a good man, a Democrat, a Republican, a rabbi, a savior, a humble peasant, a hippie, a revolutionary, a frustrated social critic, a magician. I even had one person tell me they thought Jesus was probably an alien. And if I trust a t-shirt that I saw not too long ago, um, Jesus is at least one person's homeboy. 
But I do love hearing these ideas about who Jesus was, and even though I clearly have my own deep theological convictions, I really don't find it all that hard to be respectful of other people's views, except there really is one that, if I'm being honest, always triggers me a little bit, and I get a little reactive, and that's when I'm told that Jesus was really just a teacher of timeless and eternal truths. In other words, I tend to react a little bit when someone tells me that Jesus's primary teaching was nothing more than a repackaging of the world's collective wisdom, the reinforcement of things we already knew, things that great teachers have been teaching for centuries, things that don't shock or unsettle or offend us at all. Now, I do actually believe that Jesus studied and took seriously a lot of good teaching that went before him, certainly in Judaism, and who knows, maybe he did have access to teachings from other great leaders before him. You know, he probably learned a whole lot about love and forgiveness and the lilies of the field from other people. But I'm not sure when I survey the history of religious teaching that anyone ever led their students to the cross in quite the same way that Jesus did. No other teacher ever said, I want you to lose your life for my sake. No other teacher ever sounded so crazy because, let's face it, compared to the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of much mainline spiritual teaching today, um, Jesus' wisdom on the cross can sound very, very strange and puzzling. And Peter thought so. And it's really hard to blame Peter. In the context of the reading I opened this podcast with, if you read right before that passage, you'll note that Peter has just confessed that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, to which Jesus replies, That is wonderful, and so your new name is Petros, a word meaning rock. And you're the rock, Jesus tells Peter, on which I will build my church. And so historically speaking, Peter was kind of the head honcho. He was the leader and the spokesperson for the disciples. And so in this reading that I shared, whenever Jesus announces that he must go to Jerusalem and that he must suffer and that he must die, well, Peter steps in before things get out of hand. After all, this wasn't really the Messiah. This wasn't really the church that Peter was envisioning. And as the new rock of the church, the Petros, Peter may feel responsible for making sure that Jesus' ministry is a success. Because again, Peter has just confessed Jesus to be God's Messiah or God's agent of victory. And so when Jesus starts predicting his defeat, his death, his crucifixion, Peter gets really, really upset about it. After all, the cross doesn't really sound like much of a victory, and that's why Peter tries to lead Jesus away from the cross. It's why he urges Jesus to save his life. And what Jesus then says to Peter, I believe that Jesus also says to you and to me, and that it's really the heart of his message. He says, get behind me. 
Now, Jesus' language does read as harsh, and I don't really want to deny the seriousness of Jesus' tone in this passage. After all, he does tell Peter that he is now a stumbling block, and that's serious business. But I also want to name that whenever Jesus says, get behind me, this imperative is still a deep word of grace. And here's why it's a word of grace. It's because Jesus wants his disciples to find their lives, not lose it. What does he say? For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for me are going to find it. And so Jesus' teaching here may sound a little strange, but Jesus' desire makes perfect sense to all of us. He ultimately wants his disciples to know what true life is, what abundant life is, what eternal life is. But to find that life, Jesus says, I've got to send you to the cross. And whenever I think about the strangeness of that teaching, it's really hard for me to criticize Peter's response to Jesus in this passage that I shared, because to get behind Jesus to follow him to Jerusalem, it's really just as strange to us as it probably sounded to Peter that first time he heard Jesus' command. And historically speaking, it's kind of hard to know for sure what kind of Messiah, what kind of church Peter was envisioning. You know, perhaps Peter had a political agenda, or maybe Peter wanted to see more miracles But isn't this our natural inclination as well, to focus on Jesus' love or to hope that Jesus can bring about some political ideal we have right now or to focus on the miracle of Easter only and in the process to forget about what's central and that, of course, is taking up the cross. And I don't mean that we ignore the cross. We speak of the cross as the measure of God's love or as Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. In other words, we get pieces of what the cross is all about with our minds, but whenever our heart is confronted with an actual cross, our heart always turns away because there's something about the cross that shocks us, unsettles us, and offends us. It's something we want to avoid. But if we have the courage to get behind Jesus, he will take us to the cross. Because whatever he said to Peter, I believe he says to you and to me, get behind me. Now, for those of you who listened to last week's episode, you recall that One of the things we looked at was Paul's vision of the body of Christ and how our participation, what we get to do, isn't meant to be a burden. In fact, we talked about our membership in the body of Christ as a deep privilege and about how our role in God's church should be connected to our deepest joy. And so, given what I said last week, it's probably a natural thing to wonder where exactly the cross fits into that. Well, in his letter to the Galatians, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. 
In his letter to the Philippians, Paul writes, I want to know Christ and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. In other words, not only for Paul, but for all the faithful disciples throughout the ages, following Jesus to the cross has always been central to the church's vocation. Now, we all have unique roles to play for sure, unique ways that we're called to build up the body of Christ and to build up other people. But the grace-filled words spoken to Peter are also spoken to, to all of us. I'm going to Jerusalem, he says, and I want you to get behind me. And these words of Jesus are words of grace. And for Jesus to speak these words to us are also meant to be a joy and a privilege. And so I don't really know what the cross looks like for you specifically. I know that we all have our unique crosses to bear. That is, our own wounds and limitations and personality defects, the damage people have done to us, and the pain of the human conditioned as we have experienced it personally. And so I don't really know what that is for you who listen to these words today. You know, maybe it's the loss of a treasured relationship. Maybe it's the fear of the future. Maybe you're struggling to reconnect, coming out of the pandemic, or to find your mojo again. Uh, Maybe you've been rejected just one too many times and you feel lonely. And so again, I don't know what it is for you, but I do know that if you listen to these words, that there is some cross hovering over your life right now. And Jesus, strange wisdom that he teaches, says, it may feel like death, but embrace these crosses and embrace them for my sake. And... Allow me to share them with you, and that is where you will find your life. Because Christianity has always taught that whenever we follow Jesus to the cross, and whenever we take up our own crosses in a mystical way, that we actually enter into a redemptive event that has already taken place. Because on the cross, Jesus has already embraced all our pain and anxiety and fear. He's embraced all the frustration, all the self-hatred, and all the shame. And he's already embraced all our addictions and loneliness and sin. He did that on the cross for us. And so whenever we embrace our cross for Jesus' sake, whatever that cross is, we at the same time are embracing the Lord who went to a cross on our behalf. And we don't condemn ourselves for our weaknesses, and we sure don't condemn other people for their weaknesses and limitations. We just say, my life is about following this crucified Messiah to the cross and allowing him to love me as I am, broken and weak as I may feel. Like Peter, it's tempting to want a different Messiah at times. It's tempting to want a different church, and it might even be tempting to want a different world, a world where pandemics don't come and where crosses don't exist. And that's why it's very easy to run ahead of Jesus and to insert our own ideas about who he 
was. But following Jesus is not about having a lot of ideas about who he was. It's about the privilege of actually getting behind him and being his disciple. And so to lose our life for Jesus and to hear his words and to step aside, to let Jesus go first and to get behind him is ultimately what God invites each of us to in our life. Because the cross, in my opinion, is not yet another timeless universal truth from yet another timeless teacher. But the cross is Jesus the Messiah's strange way to life and strange way of bringing about a victory. And the cross is what discipleship is all about. It is about joyfully learning to lose our life for Jesus, knowing that he has already lost his life for us. And so as we bring this podcast episode to an end, let me end by repeating what I see as today's simple but complex theological idea. Our life really is found in losing our life. And something very precious is always lost whenever we try as hard as we can to save what we think our life is. And the image we're offered by Jesus to help us lose our life is the cross, which, when properly understood, can transform our suffering into a gift and help us see as a success that which we formerly called a failure. Amen.